Good For You, a podcast all about sex and relationships. We cover everything from long-distance dating to interracial dating and everything in between. Today's topic is BDSM, and today's guest is Lena Dune. Lena, thank you again for jumping on a very last minute, I might say, as well, which was really great. <laughs> oh, no problem, Ray. I'm absolutely happy to be here. This is so fun. So I found your Instagram... I think a, I think a friend of mine who's also in the sex world like reposted one of your memes and it was one that I especially related to because it was like specifically like a me at 27 and I'm 27 so it was like it was extra spot on for me. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 27 is like such an age. It's <laughs> It is. It's like you you officially feel like you're in your like late 20s and like 30 feels more looming than it ever has before. It's like a little bit scary, but also like I have like a confidence. I don't know. It's 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 a lot of emotions. I cannot wait to be 30, honestly. Like rescue me from this hell of anything with a two in front of my age like I love that attitude because most women I meet are like the opposite they're like I'm almost 30 so I love that you're like no I need to be there I'm done with my 20s like every woman in her 30s I've ever met is like super confident like low center of gravity like fucking come at me they're going to the farmer's market they like are well dressed (laughs) and it's like bring me this instead of like not having a bed frame vibes (laughs) you're you're right about that you're right and I feel like I I always hear like that one I don't even know if it's real but that one thing where it's like oh women are in their sexual peak in their 30s it's like the best time for you Mm -hmm. sexually you're the most confident you're like finally get out of that awkward stage of your life so you're right actually 30s don't feel as scary after this conversation yeah we're re- we're ready to peak all right we're like approaching the peak <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 so ready to peak <laughs> <laughs> it's a mood um, so your instagram ask mm-hmm. sub. so you meme kink and bdsm that's right which I love because it feels like you're making it accessible and like normal in a world where in a lot of places it doesn't feel like it is. Mm, yeah, th- thank you. That's that's definitely part of like why memes in the first place, because, they, you know, that sort of like opportunity to be funny about something like really right. makes it feel more comfortable and, and like relatable and accessible. So like, yeah, people have definitely said, oh, it can be funny. It's not all just like dark and serious, dungeony whips and chains, which of course is awesome too, but you know, bring it with the funny. <laughs> right. Well, and I also feel like it's more digestible because I'm sure that you've heard this a lot and talked about this, but it's like, there's almost like an information overload with certain sexual things and especially BDSM. And there's so much to like know and, and want to search and, and hear about and stuff like that. And so when you're able to kind of put it in these like short form, really easily digestible ways, it feels like it makes it easier to even learn. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of like my, my philosophy with it is like just to combat the information overload because the information overload can be really good. Like there's certain stuff about safety that you definitely want to be clued into. But at the same time, there's this sense that like, oh, if you don't have all of the information in the world, you can't possibly begin as a beginner in a safe place. And and I just sort of want to chip away at that a little bit to the extent that it's like responsible and safe and say like you are allowed to be an expert on you and then go from there rather than I need to be an expert on like everything under the sun BDSM wise. Like if I want to get spanked, I should also know how to safely execute cock and ball torture. And it's like, actually, no, you can <laughs> stay in your own lane and be safe. So yeah, just trying to insert that accessibility into the conversation. Definitely. And so was it originally like, was it a meme account that kind of turned into an education source or was it vice versa? Or is that more of like a chicken and egg kind of question where it was always meant to be both? 
it was never meant to be memes uh, initially. No. Okay. Um, I So what uh, I conceived of Ask a Sub being was like, I, I think I created a Tumblr account about two years ago where I took basically like questions that my friends had asked me about um, BDSM or like various partners had asked me. And I sort of wrote these like fictionalized, like dear ask a sub kind of little letters. Like I wrote the question and then I responded to the question being like, oh, so if you, you know, so then like when my friends would ask me sort of the same questions over and over again, I'd be like, here, I wrote this thing, like, just go read this thing. So um, like I, I just, you know, on a whim, I think like on New Year's Day, I was like, my New Year's resolution is to put this BDSM stuff on the internet and see what happens. And that was, I think, like. 2018. Um, and so I put it all out there. And then I, I got an article published about um, like wellness must haves for your bruised ass, like what <laughs> kinds of like lotions I recommended to like put on your butt after you've been, you know, heavily spanked or done impact play. And and it just sort of snowballed from there. And the memes like around that time, I was like noticing that there are all these kinky memes yeah. But I didn't like them. <laughs> um, like, I just noticed that there was a lot of, like, people using these sort of, like, crappy pictures or, like, low quality whatever. And the, the sort of the gaze felt very male and very, um, I don't know, dommy. And, and so I just thought, like, well, what would memes for subs be like? It's like, well, let's do, like, a bunch of pop culture stuff and let's, yeah. you know, bring in Legally Blonde. And so, yeah, just sort of created that look and over time people have been like oh this like makes me feel like yeah I can digest this stuff and feel comfortable and that's like the goal so yeah a a winding road to being (laughs) Mimi I love that well it's funny because it's like this is the most like young internet millennial person thing ever but there is like different sub genres of memes and Mm -hmm. there are certain things that are like not memed well for certain Mm -hmm. types of people like what you said like there needed to be a new gaze for that meme I feel that way about like weed memes like weed memes to me are almost always like really like masculine and bro-y and like (laughs) they're never like cute to me like they're always like about like dabbing and like they're like yeah a lot of like aliens and I'm like this is not (laughs) I love weed and like this doesn't work for me (laughs) exactly yeah I still don't fully understand what dabbing is but I like I consume weed you know and I would love to see like you know an aesthetic hot you know sexy woman weed energy but yeah it's 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 that's what memes provide is it's sort of like I think people really undervalue aesthetics and this kind of stuff because like when the aesthetics are like appealing to a certain person they can make a home and like claim that identity and like in the BDSM world, if if you see, oh, aesthetically, I line up with this image and the image is telling me to have self-respect and boundaries and set limits with doms on the Internet, like that person then is empowered to be like, hey, I belong and I have a right to say this is what works for me. This isn't what works for me. Like, you can't talk to me that way, et cetera. So like the aesthetics are the are the entry point for all that really good stuff. So it's like super important. I don't know. (laughs) No, absolutely. So let's take it back a little bit. When did you first know that you were kind of interested in DS or BDSM? Um, I, 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 I like sort of laugh about that question because like, there's definitely like a period in my life where I started using the word sub, um, about myself. And that was in my super chaotic early twenties, but the, like (laughs) the time where I, 
I think that these kinds of things like first came into my psyche was a lot younger, like when I was first experimenting with any kind of sexuality at all. I know that like my fantasies, like as a 14 year old, like first masturbating were like all about like being locked in a closet and made to listen to other people having sex, which like I don't think is like standard. (laughs) Um, Not that anything, you know, I'm not yucking anybody's yums or saying anything's weird, but like that for me, like that was not what all of my peers were talking about. So um, yeah, there's always been sort of this thread of like a non-normative kind of weird power structure thing um, for me psychologically, which then dovetailed embarrassingly into writing um, Harry Potter erotica when I was in high school and still a virgin. So <laughs> I feel like that's a very, I feel like erotica and fanfic is such a classic kind of like st- starting point for people who are somewhere outside of the norm sexually. Totally. And like, it's to, to vent and to get that out when, it, when we live in a world where you can't go up to your like 15 year old best friend and be like, so. <laughs> yes. It the, the, definitely the fanfic world, like, I think it was mostly inhabited by at that time, like in the, you know, early mid 2000s, like by teenagers and like stay at home moms and nobody in between. (laughs) And the teenagers were writing sex for other teenagers and all of the details were so vividly incorrect. Like, (laughs) like I, I went back and found my thing, my, my whole thing was, um, Professor Snape and Hermione Granger fan fiction where I was a 16 year old writing this. So like, you know, who's the problematic one here? Right. right. <laughs> but like, and and there's this like scene that I went back and read recently and I was cringing so hard because I'd literally, I'd never been kissed at this point in time. I'm 16. Oh and God. like, I'm writing like this intense, like graphic, like triple X sex scene where, um, where he's like having multiple orgasms, <laughs> like back to back to back. <laughs> and like, as an adult, I'm like, well, I'm sure someone has that skill who has a penis, but I, you know, the odds of it <laughs> right out this way are very low <laughs> absolutely oh my god I love that so much so there's that <laughs> that's how I became a sub is Snape's multiple orgasms <laughs> it's a great origin story honestly yeah <laughs> so are you doing the Instagram full-time now I yeah so I I had a job um before covid that I was um laid off in March so okay. I have now pivoted as they say to <laughs> focusing full time on this because okay. um while I was at my job I I was constantly like secretly doing Instagram stuff and like checking my phone all the time and like it got to the point where people would be like oh you're you're on your phone a lot and it was like oh hi yeah I'm a I'm a millennial you know so like (laughs) the cover story was falling apart um kind of and yeah so I'm focusing on it full-time right now got it and that includes a patreon right it does yeah yeah where I I, so is that where you like people ask you questions mostly right it's like an almost like an advice column yeah so it's 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 like a subscription-based um, monthly and not monthly it's weekly um, advice column where people write me their real world ds relationship that meaning doms up relationship um, advice questions or questions about sort of being out playing with bdsm type themes and um, yeah and then i'll write them like you know a whole letter like a long kind of dear abby long 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 thing about 
my thoughts on whatever. And the questions are really interesting. They'll be like a range from like, how do I deal with my Dom doesn't want to play as much because he's depressed because of COVID or um, stuff like I have all these codependent tendencies. How can I express them healthily through DS and not get like, you know, swept up in something that's going to make me worse on the codependence. So um, yeah, it goes deeper <laughs> on the, on the Patreon into all these sort of themes. And then this really great community has developed there where people talk to each other about stuff and sort of offer advice, um, which has been so cool to see because like I've never had as much of a community as has developed on this page. So like seeing people have that like at earlier points in their journey, like anyway, very, very exciting. I love that. I love that. And I think it's it's important too because I think it really shows even in the questions you're talking about right now, it really shows like the nuance of those styles of relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think with relationships that are outside like – heteronormative monogamous relationships people see them as very surface level like they see bdsm any relationship that like involves bdsm as like black leather all the time and they see like non-monogamy as like you know two people who are like kind of together but have sex with a million other people yeah don't have any boundaries and like they don't understand that there's like in the same way that heteronormative relationships have nuance and like people come with their own baggage and their own pros and cons like you're able to kind of shed light on the on the exact same things that people in any other types of relationships are going through totally it's those soft emotional skills that come into play with anything like bdsm or poly that like it's hard from the outside okay what you know about bdsm is it has to do maybe with somebody telling somebody what to do definitely with like whips and chains but um like what what i found really interesting is talking about like how does it feel to 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 live that and have that kind of relationship and on a daily basis like what what is different and what is the same and then like how can you use the foundation of the structure of of the BDSM to sort of hack these sort of relationship issues like you know couples that are together for a long time and start to find their like desire diminishing and and there's a BDSM answer to that and and you know what's the BDSM answer to any number of things so that's sort of like what it's been like kind of figuring out that like BDSM hack for for normal stuff that everybody goes through yeah absolutely so you are a self-described 24-7 collared submissive. I'm saying that correctly, right? You are. Absolutely. Yes. Can you explain what that is? Yeah. So 24-7 um, refers to a dom-sub dynamic. So like we know a dom-sub dynamic takes place in the bedroom by the dom is somebody who, you know, both partners have negotiated will be the sort of commanding in the power exchange between the dom and the sub. So they'll say, do this, go there blah 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 they're sort of directing the action in a scene and in bed and we can all sort of imagine what that's like but um 24 7 takes that sort of negotiated power structure between two equals two people who want to be doing it and stretches it out to be not just in the bedroom not just during sex or during an impact scene but to be all the time in your life um and i think the common misconception is like oh you're you know in a human cage drinking like water out of like a gerbil feeder or something which like (laughs) you know that sounds very relaxing but normally I'm you know sort of bipedal walking around being you know a girl out you know going to Whole Foods (laughs) so um that like the way that it plays out is a lot more symbolic on a day-to-day basis but just sort of gives us this generalized structure of how to relate to each other and how to sort of express care and how to you know speak in each other's love languages in a weird way um no it's not weird it's great but (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm guessing with a relationship like that, similar to all relationships, there has to be like a pretty like in-depth conversation on boundaries beforehand. Yeah, and, and ongoingly too. And it's just sort of about normalizing that sort of constructive boundary talk all the time. Like it and it it's something that I I've been in long-term vanilla relationships too uh-huh. where um it, I sort of felt like the we didn't have and maybe this you know that's just my experience but we didn't have a really comfortable mechanism for dropping into like meta conversation about the relationship um like if you're saying like hey I need to make an adjustment about this thing or hey this is something you need to know about my state of mind like in a vanilla relationship to me that sort of would polarize both partners like it'd be like oh so what do you have a problem with about blah 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 you know so like that kind of interplay like the BDSM structure really shuts that down because like you are it is required that you express your boundaries you communicate what's going on for you so over time it's like you sort of create this easier back and forth of like you know here's here's my deal and then the other person is like great I'm happy to know that let's keep going (laughs) so um that's just one like subtle difference that makes it that makes it really cool well, that's one thing I I love, and I say I love from a bird's eye view because I haven't really participated myself. But one thing that I feel like I've seen in BDSM is the the communication feels like it's on this whole other level. In 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 vanilla types of relationships, I haven't seen as much. Like I feel like in regular kind of like more mainstream relationships, people like you said have a hard time talking about their feelings and communicating mm-hmm. and talking about their boundaries, especially sexually or oh, yeah. talking about, you know, right after sex, what they liked and what they didn't like versus I feel like in BDSM relationships, it's like the number one rule. And, and I feel like it almost can help with people who have problems communicating in normal relationships when you're kind of like forced to be like, well, this is like on a little bit on a higher level. So like we need to talk about this beforehand. Right. And that's where it all comes from is because the things that happen in a BDSM scene, like they're safety based. And, um, you know, so if you're playing with pain, for example, and you don't communicate, hey, I'm uh, PMSing, for example, and I'm I'm more um, susceptible to, to pain inputs and I need to take it down by 25 percent. Like yeah. that kind of stuff is super, super vital to know in a scene. So once you sort of develop that thing and, and you also develop this sort of open interrogation of your desires on the flip side of like, oh, I want to try this thing because it f- would feel like this. And and that sort of mechanism is really cool because, um, you know, in vanilla sex, there's sort of this script of what might happen, um, right? Like the people have seen porn and they're like okay so we do you know the oral sex and then we do the penetrative sex and then you know and like there's a lot of concern I think from both people about like performing like something really cool and sexy and um that can sort of lead to this weird not always but sometimes this sort of dissociated state where it's like I'm in this performance and we both know what's going to happen and we have to sort of execute it according to the script that we both have internalized but like no two people's scripts can be identical. So that gets into this sort of weird territory where like if you're not communicating and the only like commonality you have is your assumed shared script, like it, it can go off the rails because you, nobody knows what the other person is completely thinking. So yeah, it's sort of like if you're going to play with stuff that's like, you know, potentially upsetting, which I think all sex actually could really benefit from this. Like it would be great 100%. to talk about it first. Yeah. 
Well, and it's interesting too, because I've talked about this a lot and you just brought it up, which is like this kind of like script with vanilla sex where it's like, it has to be this one way or it's bad. And Mm -hmm. in that same vein, I feel like another thing with that is that people think that people have this weird warped perception that a sexual experience is not pleasurable unless both parties orgasm. Mm-hmm. which is really which is really messed up because then I feel like if somebody doesn't orgasm which is like you can't always control that then no. they automatically like write off the entire experiences as poor versus in like a more nuanced relationship that involves other types of pleasure like pain or stuff mm-hmm. like that it's like mm-hmm. you're able to factor in so many other aspects and be like maybe I didn't like actually full-on orgasm but that experience overall was still incredibly pleasurable and a positive one totally I think so many people with vulvas just have a different road to orgasm and have experienced so much shame about it like I'll say like on the record that I am somebody who like I come in a very specific way and it like has to be that way. And, and I need like all of this time and space and lack of pressure. And like, I can't look at the clock and everything, (laughs) the the lights have to be, I can't be hungry. Like it all has to be like a certain way. And so like for me being vulnerable enough to do that with a partner takes a lot of time. So like ultimately like in a weird way, and this sounds regressive somehow, but like, I think it's a matter of consent whether your orgasm is on the table like what if you just want to go in and have fun and like take that experience home for private time you know like it doesn't have to be yeah like and so that's a part of like the whole BDSM conversation is it's like you're inventing sex from the ground up you're saying like "I, I will do this I won't do this and maybe for you like orgasming in front of a partner is a soft limit and you want to say hey I need to like trust and have like this sort of certain level of intimacy before I feel comfortable going there but we can do all this other stuff and then it's like cool great let's go so yeah I don't know it's it's sort of it's a hack (laughs) I had a guy best friend once who told me that he slept with this girl and she before they started hooking up told him she was like by the way I am not going to orgasm I'm letting you know now because I don't want this to be a situation where you like go down on me for a half an hour and you're tired and I'm bored. I'm definitely going to masturbate when I get home. I'm still going to enjoy this experience, but I'm letting you know beforehand, I'm not going to come. And I, and he, he was fine with it. He was like, she put it out there that she was still going to have a good time. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have that pressure of like making sure she had to. And it was great because she kind of gave me those boundaries beforehand. And I was like, I love that woman. Yeah. Gosh. (laughs) God bless her wherever she is. That's amazing. <laughs> because like, yeah, so many people are like, oh, I don't know. There's the internal judgment and performance of that kind of sex where you haven't said anything going into it. Like, here's what's going to happen. Like, the longer I spend in like BDSM land, the more I get used to like, you know, initially when my Dom and I were playing together when we were more casual, he would be like, okay, here are all the things that are going to happen to you tonight. Do you consent to that? And I was like, yes, you know, like, it's <laughs> like hearing all of it out loud is like, holy crap, um, very exciting. And, but I realized like before that, like, it, it would just be two people sort of with individual agendas colliding into each other for what they both think is good sex. And it's like, how how could you possibly, the likelihood of being on the same page about what that's going to be like minuscule. <laughs> Well, on top of that being really nice to know what you're going to get going in, it also feels really sexy. Like, it's almost like a form of foreplay to be like, these are all the things I'm going to do to you. Yeah. And people think it's going to ruin, like, the element of surprise. And it's absolutely not. Like, even in vanilla sex, like, if you were like, hey, I'm going to lay you down and, like, 
fuck you in missionary. Like, okay. <laughs> like, so like, hot. So yeah. hot. I'm still going to be surprised when you stick it in. That's hot. I <laughs> yeah. I don't know that like, especially for, you know, again, for like people with vulvas who have like had this sort of like very scary experience with the world and rape culture and everything yeah. else. Like, I don't know that we're seeking surprise in the bedroom primarily. <laughs> so Absolutely. Like, like safety, like somatic kind of comfort, like generalized, like trust, like those are definitely way higher up on the list than surprise. In fact, I don't know that I ever want to be surprised in my life. A hundred percent. Even with like a, a long-term partner, I feel the same way. I'm like, yeah, let's just talk about it beforehand. I love yeah. this. This is not a surprise party. There will yeah. be no <laughs> jump scares. Like, let's just keep it all. Everybody's hands where we can see them. <laughs> So um, another thing I wanted to ask, and we, we kind of talked about touched on this a little when we talked about the title 24-7 Collar Submissive, there are mm-hmm. different types of collars, right? Yeah, there so are. Explaining a little bit about that? Yeah, it's funny because like, uh, if you were to go to the internet and be like, BDSM collar, what are, what is it? You yeah. would probably get an article on a website that looks like it was built on GeoCities 15 years ago, <laughs> <laughs> telling you that like, this collar means this and this collar means that and this shape is this. And I, that I think was true at a certain point on the BDSM scene. Uh-huh. But um, now as more millennials get into it and more and Gen Z and, and the more millennial and Gen Z influence there is on anything, the more it's like I define it for myself and I nobody's right. going to tell me what to do. So collars have sort of taken on that aspect. So um, the shape doesn't necessarily tell you exactly what it means to somebody anymore. But um Basically, the the standard collar is a leather collar, which looks a lot like a dog collar, but it's slightly less um, stuff on it. And and ideally, it has some kind of piece of hardware that you could attach something to, like a leash, for example. Okay. Um, and so that, in the most broad term, signifies if you're wearing that, probably you are a sub who is formally owned by a dom, which means that you both have sort of negotiated this set of expectations and agreements that go along with you wearing that collar. Um, okay. But then some people have done like cool stuff where they wear like a like a day collar, they call it, or like a, you know, undercover collar that is like a pretty necklace with like a little lock on it. Or, you know, there's all kinds of ways of doing it, but it ultimately just sort of symbol symbolizes agreements between a dom and a sub. And then there's this really cool like movement that I'm seeing happen now where single subs who don't want to be completely defined by partnership or whether they're with a specific dom are collaring themselves which I think is really cute like they'll do a whole ceremony they'll write in their journal and they'll be like this is what my submission means to me and I give myself submission I'm not waiting on somebody to do that so they then get themselves a cute little collar that they wear around so basically could mean anything um within the bounds of like probably BDSM related (laughs) I love that yeah did like mainstream like fashion chokers come from BDSM collars? I, I there's the O-ring ones like I think undoubtedly like yeah. has, ha, are stealing um or I mean co-opting or appropriating <laughs> BDSM yeah, no, sure. um imagery. Yeah, because um I mean ultimately you can you can trace a lot of BDSM aesthetics back to sex workers and mainstream culture loves to appropriate sex workers without doing yeah. anything for that community. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a co-opting. Uh, but my hope is that the more people get comfortable with seeing that kind of stuff in their favorite music videos or, you know, 
Shakira at the Super Bowl with her rope dance or whatever, that maybe they'll get a little bit more interested in learning about consent practices and aftercare. So (laughs) fingers are staying crossed for that. Well, I have a, so it's funny because I had a question going into this that kind of feels like it goes in, into the line of like making this more mainstream. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you have, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you have because you're a meme queen. <laughs> there are all these like TikToks and videos that have gone around over the past six months that I've seen of, and, and I have no context other than the video itself. Mm-hmm. Of like BS relationships in public. I'm not sure if you've seen these where it's like a collared sub being led into like a Starbucks on their like on all fours and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've seen these videos. And the interesting thing to me about these videos is the comment section are like insanely polarized. It's like there's half, half of the comments are like, this is just normalizing a kink. We need to not kink shame. And then half of the comments are on this, um, this whole wave of, uh, you know, the Starbucks did not consent to being part of it. <laughs> it's like this super polarized and I am not part of this so I don't have any you know opinion myself but I was wondering if you had seen this kind of polarity and what people think about public um you know publicizing DS relationships in that way where people are like wearing you know wearing the collar wearing the leash and stuff like that and the people who are saying well this isn't okay well this is okay this should be okay blah blah yeah blah. Um, absolutely. I definitely, and I've, I've talked about it on my platform. Um, and, uh, the, the famous example is somebody tweeted a picture of this woman, um, walking, um, what seemed to be a man in a, um, leather puppy hood, um, on a leash yes. on all fours, uh, through Air One, um, here Air in Los One. Angeles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I think that, um, I, I have a hard time doing the internet discourse on stuff like this because I think people really want to jump to one side and demonize something um and and especially you know in 140 characters or whatever like you don't have enough space to really interrogate um something but yeah ideally people would not be subjected to looking at other people doing sex acts when they go to Starbucks um but I I have a hard time feeling like people dressed up in costume and acting a certain way is a, a graphic sex act. Right. Um. So yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with it. I think like the 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 argument that I always come back to is like if the if the puppy collar and the puppy ears or whatever like looked like they came from the Halloween store. Like we'd be like, oh, those are some you know mu- musical theater geeks doing some project, and we wouldn't right. think about right. it. But or like Ariana Grande, just yes. Like <laughs> oh my god! Or but because we can infer that like any kind of like ambient, low key, something sexual might be happening. There's this like massive freakout, but like yeah. the freakout online seems to primarily be coming from people in the kink community who know what that means whereas like we don't really know how the people in the starbucks particularly felt about it or if they even gave a shit but um there becomes this huge like outrageous self-policing like angry um thing where they sort of conflate and 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 draw as equal okay somebody's wearing a dog collar in Starbucks and that's the same as sexually assaulting the people who are there. And I think that that does a huge disservice to like the real conversations about consent that we have in our community and the reasons that we have them. Um, So it's just, I'm not, I fail to see the harm. Um, So that, yeah, that's where I land on it. Um, Yeah. Of course, like if that person were to, you know, as happened at the air one, um, 
the Dom took the sub into the like smoothie area and started paddling him. That for me is a problem because right. like people who don't want don't want to see some like outright, you know, something that kind of looks like violence from the outside, like should be spared. <laughs> but right. um, but yeah, in terms of like seeing someone in a costume walking in a certain manner, I just don't. It's hard for me to get really upset about it when there's other conversations to be had around consent. Right. That makes sense. And that see that feel it feels like you as somebody who is part of the mainstream in certain ways but also part of the BDSM community can come at this with like a really nuanced view and look at it from both sides and then have an opinion versus like you said somebody who's fully in the scene and is looking at it as like I know exactly what this is or somebody who doesn't Mm -hmm. know anything so it's like it's nice to hear an opinion from somebody who is actually educated (laughs) (laughs) I mean people online just they just love to fight so it's like you have to take down the temperature like 25 degrees before you can even start talking about it yeah. 100%. And that's hard. That's so hard too with stuff like this. It's like you said, it's like nobody has any idea what anybody in the actual Starbucks thought or that exact couple. It's just a bunch of people on the internet who are like, oh, an excuse to be angry today. Amazing. Right. Because there is the, the off chance that somebody in the Starbucks was like, that's awesome. I feel empowered to be weird in my own way or fly <laughs> my own freak flag. That's that's when I was first thinking about this. I was rem- recalling, um, I grew up outside of San Francisco and I remember okay. when, you know, this is in the you know late 90s, my mom would take us into the city and she would be like okay kids like we are going through the Castro right now and if you see a naked man I just want you to avert your eyes but that's cool that he's doing that you know and like (laughs) and and so like yeah as a kid I would like see like we'd drive by some naked man pumping gas and it's like that's what happens sometimes in certain public spaces and you know I think it's sort of a generational thing among millennials where we have a lot more fixation on like shutting down certain boundary crossing behavior which we absolutely need to do the cancel culture has brought a lot of good but like yeah. what yeah again when you bring it back to like somebody is wearing a mask and being a little bit silly in a starbucks like i don't know that that's like top priority like code red like we all we need to like shut it down 100 <laughs> percent for sure yeah so in your opinion what would you say is like the biggest misconception about bdsm that you wish people would like shut the fuck up about Oh, yes. Uh, (laughs) I think number one, number one misconception about BDSM, which like I think stems from Fifty Shades of Grey, but I also see it sort of like on Twitter where like they're like people will have these takes like, oh, capitalism is doming us all, you know, like and and dominance. And this definitely happens in Fifty Shades of Grey is portrayed as this thing that the dom like takes the sub and forcibly makes them do a bunch of things that they don't want to do. And ultimately because i think that we port- we portray dominance and submission as being like masculine feminine i think it's like super infantilizing of whoever the submissive is especially if they're a woman um and and it sort of like takes this weird gaze of like it's all the dom and the sub has nothing to do with it and they're just sort of along for the ride mm-hmm. um and and you know further like i've seen these takes of like oh bdsm um is normalizing violence against women because they're you know trying to say it's sex positive and really you're just trying to make women get hurt and it's like um those women or whoever is a submissive because they're not all women um, and they're not all straight <laughs> are doing things that they like to do and enjoy and have like gone through all of this personal work and to overcome shame and develop like, you know, safe practices so that they can go consensually for their own pleasure, get 
receive certain sensation play or play psychologically with certain stuff and not even touch pain if they don't want to. But yeah, there's sort of this like external gaze and narrative of like subs are just powerless and things are just happening to them. And it's like, I want people to see, like, if you're looking in the window at like a dom flogging their sub, like, I don't want people to see that's like some crazy sadist doing some shit to some person like I want you to see like that sub is like having the time of their life probably so like let's applaud that sub (laughs) right well I think it's it's that's such an interesting point that there's just as much empowerment in choosing to be a sub as there is in choosing to be a dom Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to my like journey in the sex space started back when I used to work at Playboy Mm. and one of the most like infuriating questions I used to get all the time was like this whole question of like oh how is it a feminist for a woman to want to be sexualized and I was like well a woman posing naked is different than a woman wanting to be sexualized yeah still can't want to be sexualized but like people would automatically put that same thing of like a woman choosing of her own volition to pose naked as like this huge thing of like oh she's you know, she's, she's bring she's bringing feminism down. She's bringing all this down versus like, <laughs> letting her choose whatever the fuck she wants to do, yeah. whether that's, you know, posing naked or being a sub or being a stay at home mom or on the yeah. opposite end, being a dom and, or being a CEO or whatever the case, totally. or just letting everybody do whatever the fuck they want if it makes them happy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's so like puritanical in a way, right? Like the way that it comes back around of like, oh, there's no empowered way for you to be sexual at all because, right. you know, it's like this weird, like, like girl boss feminist capitalist weird thing of like unless you're working and you're achieving you know you are not legitimate and it's like I'm sorry like I was not put in this world to be a working automaton that never experiences any pleasure like I'm allowed right. to experience pleasure in whatever ways that I'm excited about and if that has to do with like a ball gag in my mouth and a bunch of bruises on my butt like let me live <laughs> right and again that's that's empowerment in its own right mm-hmm so, Absolutely. Because yeah. it's chosen. And, and that's that's what people need to understand is that like empowered choice, like we should all be rallying behind people's empowered choices, whatever that is, even if we don't agree with it. As long as it's not doing any harm, like uh, applaud people's choices. 100%. So I have kind of a personal question, actually. Yes. <laughs> I wanted, so I wanted to know, I feel like, and I feel like this is not, this has actually probably become more normalized. It was interesting when you said like capitalism is doming us all in the sense that like using those terms like dom and sub have become Mm -hmm. a little bit more like mainstream, whether you're in BDSM or not. And in the sense that I've in the past, I've called myself many things, right? In the same way that I've like at different times in my life considered myself heterosexual, fully homosexual, bisexual, Mm -hmm. asexual, you know, whatever. I've like, I've gone through phases where I've, where I've just decided, oh, actually that doesn't feel right anymore. This feels right. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, I've been like, oh, I'm, I feel like I'm mostly a sub Mm -hmm. in the sense that I usually like my partner to be the more dominant one. I definitely enjoy being like slapped or ordered around or Mm -hmm. having my partner spit in my mouth. So in that way, I've like (laughs) called myself a sub, but also like I'm not averse to like pegging my partner. So then I'm like, oh, maybe I'm a switch. But then I've also been been told like, oh, you're a sub, but you enjoy kind of like fighting back a little bit. You're a brat. But then I kind of went through this phase where I was like, is it okay that I'm using any of these terms if I'm not like fully in the BDSM community or am I appropriating those terms? Um, 
You know, I I really don't believe in in calling appropriation on stuff like this because um, the only appropriation that happens in this community that we need to be really worried about is when people on dating apps are like, mostly like I'm a dom at like, for example, my friend sent me this really goofy Tinder profile from this um, man who was like dangling a pair of metal handcuffs in front of the picture and was like, I'm, you know, I'm your dominant, which like anyone inside the community knows that metal handcuffs are like the most dangerous thing you could put on somebody's body and you would never do that. And anybody that's purporting to be a dom and trying to put metal handcuffs on you, big red flag. Right. Um, But like, I think that in terms of appropriating, like, yeah, those guys that have seen BDSM porn and think that BDSM is fucking somebody really hard from behind and spanking them and choking them without consent, that is appropriation. That's a huge problem. Those people are toxic and dangerous. We need to shut them down. But like in terms of you having a malleable sense of self and using different words to describe what's happening in the bedroom for you, that's amazing. Like okay. just the same with like queerness, like you have finding a word that you resonate with to like communicate in shorthand to somebody what you're interested in or want to try like that's wonderful that's like a journey of self-discovery you know I don't see I don't see harm there at all in fact like being a sub being a brat like all you know people can find different parts of themselves expressing with different partners so like totally makes sense that different things would come out at different times and through our life these things change yeah I think you, you have every right as long as you're you know like I would recommend looking into like aftercare practices to pair with all of that stuff um, just to make sure you're, you know, you're all taken care of somatically and emotionally when it's over. But um, yeah, call yourself whatever you want. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and, and it's interesting you brought up aftercare because that's one thing that I think, again, is so kind of big in the BDSM community that is weirdly not in mainstream heterosex. That's so unfortunate. It's yeah. so important, but it's like I it's like there's this that this running joke or this running like internet meme of like, oh, he's a great guy if he like brings you a towel to wipe his, you know, his cum off of your stomach. Good and Lord. it's like, wow, <laughs> is that is that really what we're striving for here? Because like <laughs> in like in real in very like, you know, ethical BDSM relationships, aftercare is such a big thing and it's so important to like take care of your sub after or whatever. And then it's like yeah. in these vanilla hetero relationships, it's like a guy will like, you know, you know, you'll have anal and then he'll just be like, peace out. Bye. Here's your rag. And it's like, I know that sucks. Our, you know, our foremothers burned their bras so that we could be brought a cum rag for 30 (laughs) seconds and then told to leave. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, aftercare, like in case anybody listening doesn't know that term, it's, um, something we do in BDSM, um, as a requirement. Um, if you're playing with stuff like degradation or, you know, anything really emotional that comes up through sex, like, you know, spanking could be slapping across the face, could be choking, which should only be practiced if you've like really done your research. It's very dangerous. Um, Or, you know, yeah, or being called like a bitch or a slut or like whatever. Um, What is really important after stuff like that is to then come down from like the high and the feelings and whatever and signal safety to your nervous system like okay yeah you just had this experience of playing with something seemingly sort of dangerous but you need to be reminded before you go back out into the world like you're safe you're valued you're respected this person cares about you everything's fine like and the way that you do that um what i suggest for casual couples because like in vanilla world, right? Like if you were to like lie down and cuddle with someone and be like, Hey, thank you. That was really nice. How are you feeling? 
apparently that would signal that you're about to get married. So people completely <laughs> freak out and like can't do that. Um, but like what I think is really helpful, like in a casual setup like that is to say like, hey, if we're going to play with some of this stuff, I require aftercare. It's no big deal. Like when we're done, let's just sort of lay side by side in bed and like watch some nostalgic music videos until we sort of come down, which is like my favorite, like queue up like TLC or like classic Destiny's Child or like Shania Twain, whatever your vibe, you know, from your early youth or whatnot. And just sort of sit there like clicking around through YouTube, watching like fun music videos. And it like has this effect of like your brain's having fun. You're lying next to this person. They're not like smacking you around anymore and you're just it's yeah. it's like a bridge back into reality but like people are so freaked out by that but like the ramifications of playing with this stuff and then not having any kind of check-in can like really mess you up like when I I would play with stuff like that and not do a check-in after before I really like cohered my submissive identity and I would literally get like diarrhea afterwards because I felt like sick in my body from like like because your body doesn't understand what's going on like mentally you know like oh I decided to do this blah 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 but your body's like whoa man we just got like smacked around and then somebody left us here like (laughs) so yeah uh you just want to sort of build in like a, a moment like an intentional moment like if somebody can be inside you they can lie next to you for 20 minutes watching music videos that's that's my manifesto that's my radical proposition <laughs> well 100 percent. it's funny because i i've had similar situations where like after a like specifically kind of like intense you know sexual encounter that involved a little bit of like masochism or whatever it's like i'll, I'll notice like my heart will take a really long time to stop beating mm-hmm. really fast or i'll get anxious even if it's like with somebody that i trust and i like enjoyed the experience and it was really hard for me to like understand why and mm-hmm. it makes so much sense it's like our bodies are not the same way that like our brains are in the sense that they can't understand like oh that the pain is over now everything is fine yeah yeah and then e- even if you're not like playing with this stuff in a really coherent BDSM context, you're still, I think, at risk for um, subdrop, which is what we call like feeling really, really high, riding high, you're in the scene, everything's great, everything's exciting. And then boom, you sort of, you drop like a stone and you're feeling kind of sad or you're tired or you're irritated and you don't really know why. And I think this feeds into all the same reasons that people cry after vanilla sex, like there's, yeah. there's the release and then the sort of abrupt come down like can really leave your 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 body and brain in like a weird spot where it needs some some tenderness even if that's like casual friends tenderness not necessarily like you know getting engaged just because you cuddled (laughs) right no yeah that's for me it's like I need to watch two episodes of like an early season of the office to calm Uh, down uh, (laughs) for me the hair plugs would be triggering if I had to see some season one (laughs) Michael Scott (laughs) (laughs) when the hair is grown in that (laughs) then it's good but yeah that makes so much sense and it's like I've, I've I've heard this before people are like I need to start saying that like sex for me is like you know, I really like this position and I really enjoy this. And sex for me also includes like 20 minutes of cuddling after. Like there's yeah. there's no reason that, that that intimacy can't like be bundled into like somebody's like, you know, sex package for lack of a better word mm-hmm. without the other partner feeling like you said, like, oh, if I cuddle her after sex, that means that she wants to be my girlfriend. When it's like, no, this is just like what I need to make to round out the moment and look back on the situation and say, oh, that was really great sex. And it's just like your friend with the with the the orgasm girl. Like it just anything I think that you most I think 
millennials, Gen Z people have at least some awareness that they want to be a good and thoughtful, non-toxic partner. So like if you set them up like, hey, let's do this thing and it doesn't mean anything, you know, it's still casual, but let's do this. Then it sort of just paves the way for both people to know for sure that they're doing it well, which everybody really wants. Like ultimately, like all of the things that people randomly do during sex to try to seem cool and sexy and blah, 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 (laughs) is just wanting to be good at it. So if you're like, hey, you're good at it if you cuddle me for 20 minutes, then like cuddle for 20 minutes. It's there's, you know, you're not going to (laughs) die. I like that phrasing too. That's going to help it a lot for any people who go into like a situation with some commitment issues. It's like, no, actually, I'm just going to tell all my friends that you were great at sex if you cuddle me after an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing before that point matters. It's just the quality of the cuddling. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, mm-hmm. I think that's a good place to wrap up, but thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> of course. Happy to share my cuddle manifesto with the world. <laughs> <laughs> The important things, the cuddling, yes. the aftercare. I mean, those really are the important things. It's true. It's true. There's there's wild and crazy stuff that happens in the middle, but as long as it ends with a cuddle um, and some good vibes, uh, yeah, then you're doing it right. Exactly. So I will make sure to link your Instagram at Ask a Sub as well as your Patreon. And if there's anything else, let me know um, so that people can go and check you out and all that stuff. But thank you again for coming on. This was incredibly enlightening. Oh, my God. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for so many great, great questions. Of course, of course. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye.